as far as I recall hearing, but you almost certainly have noticed that the long-awaited new sound system has been installed this morning. Still working a few kinks out with that, understandably, since it's the first week that we've had it, but uh, it's exciting that we have it. And if you haven't noticed, or if you still can't hear, then I'm afraid you're beyond our help. Um, you need to see a doctor, uh, because we can't upgrade it any more than this. It's state-of-the-art. I told my dad that we were finally getting this put in this week, and he pointed out that that might be a double-edged sword. You know, some of you might be hearing me for the first time. He's been in the church and center for 18 years, and he attributes that longevity to the fact that probably 75% of his congregation is so hard of hearing, they haven't heard him for more than a decade. Uh, maybe that's the case here. I don't know. But certainly we are thankful that we have this uh, equipment in. We're, we're thankful that uh, the elders have gone ahead and uh, equipped us with this. And that's an excellent transition to the idea, the reminder that this week is, of course, Thanksgiving. I want to begin by bringing to your attention just a, a couple of Thanksgiving passages this morning. The first, or one of them, I should say, is our text that Rock read a few moments ago. But right now, we'll return there in a bit, I want to read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice here that Paul doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances. We know that not everything is going to be good, and yet even in the worst of circumstances, with God's help, we can find something for which to be thankful. It's like the old joke about mixed emotions. You know what mixed emotions are, right? That's watching your mother-in-law drive off a cliff in your brand new Mercedes Benz. It's a mixed bag. Our tendency, though, unfortunately, is to do the opposite. Rather than focusing on those things that are good in the midst of our trials, we tend to dwell almost exclusively on the negative and we forget about all of those things that are good. It's like the story I read at one point several years ago about a man who ran into an old friend of his on the street and the fellow looked so sad that he was just on the verge of tears. And his friend asked him, what, what is wrong? What's happened? He said, well, I'll tell you. Three weeks ago, my uncle died. He left me $40,000 in his will. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle, but, but that is a lot of money. Then two weeks ago, second cousin I never knew passed away, left me $85,000 free and clear. Well, you know, that sounds like you've been really blessed. But wait, you, you don't understand. Last week, my great aunt died. She left me a quarter of a million dollars inheritance. Well, now the friend was really confused. I, I don't understand. Most people would feel that they'd been really blessed in spite of all these misfortunes. Yeah, but this week, nothing. 
during Thanksgiving week, our president usually issues a Thanksgiving proclamation. And our usually very secular government suddenly is mindful of the fact our society all looks to the fact that we need to express our Thanksgiving at least for this one day out of the year. Thanksgiving is an unusual holiday in that it combines God and government and society in unconventional ways. But everyone, regardless of their religion or whether they're religious or not, all feels that it's socially acceptable to give thanks on this one day out of the year. Well, on one level, that's a nice sentiment, but I actually find that to be a little bit disconcerting. You see, when something has been changed from its original intention, when it becomes so widely accept acceptable, it's usually the case that it's become watered down in some way. It's different. And that's why I say the casual acceptance of Thanksgiving is problematic. Because our text that we read a few moments ago, Paul points out that Thanksgiving is to be an attitude that's characteristic of all Christians. It's not something that necessarily characterizes the world as a whole, and it's certainly something that we're not supposed to only be characterized by merely one day out of the year. With that in mind, I want us to think about just two things. Keep two things in mind this morning on this Thanksgiving. The first is to make sure that you're thankful for the right person. If we're expressing thanks, then that indicates logically that we're saying thank you to someone. Make sure that that's the right someone. There's a story that's told about Harriet Martineau, who was a 19th century essayist, a sociologist. She's basically one of the founders of sociology and an atheist. And one morning she was with a friend and it was a beautiful autumn morning. The sun was just peeking through the haze. A blanket of frost was covering the meadow. All the fall leaves and all of their different colors were dropping to the ground and she was just overwhelmed in the moment and she said, I'm just so grateful for all of it. And her friend, who was a believer, said, grateful to whom, my dear? That's really the question that we ought to be asking on Thanksgiving. To whom are we thankful? I thought about that a good bit in the part-time job I used to have in Austin. We had a Thanksgiving celebration yearly at work. And our office manager, who was a believer, would often ask me to say a blessing over the food. But our office consisted almost exclusively of younger people who were secular, agnostic, maybe atheist. And so I would say a prayer and try to keep it as generic as possible, mindful that I'm leading everyone's thoughts here. But the idea always came back to me, who are we praying to? Who are, what are these people praying for? That's the question on Thanksgiving. If we're expressing thanks, thankful to whom? David, the king, certainly knew the answer to that question. If anyone ever had cause to lift up their voice in thanksgiving to God, it was David. 
a shepherd boy who became the hero of a nation, a hunted fugitive who became king, a great sinner who became a man after God's own heart. Is it any wonder then that he begins the 103rd Psalm with these words of thanksgiving? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When you give thanks, make sure that like King David, you're giving thanks to the right one, to the Lord. Don't forget all of his benefits. And that brings us to the second thing we want to keep in mind this Thanksgiving. Make sure that you are thankful for the right reason. If you were to draw up a list of all the things you're thankful for, and I know some people actually do this at Thanksgiving. I think that's a tremendous practice. But if you draw up a list, where would you begin? I can think of some things that I might list. I'm thankful that I live in this nation. It's not perfect. And in fact, no country that's ever run by flawed and fallible humans is ever going to be perfect. But I'm thankful for the fact that we, particularly as Christians, enjoy freedoms in this country that a lot of people all over the world still don't enjoy, even today. Other countries, Christians are persecuted, even killed because of their faith. I'm thankful that we have a level of abundance in this country that people across the world don't enjoy. Even people who were in poverty here, and they exist, and it's tragic, but at least there are resources here to be able to help them. A lot of parts of the world, that's not the case. I'm thankful, too, that I have my physical health. Someone has said, count your fingers and your toes, and if you have a mind sharp enough to count up that high, thank God for your mind, too. Well, I'm thankful that God gives me the strength, the physical health that I have. I know a lot of people, even in this congregation, don't enjoy that physical health to get up and to get around on a daily basis. I'm thankful that God has given to me a pretty good mind that I at least occasionally use. Thirdly, I'm thankful that he supplies me with everything that I really need. Do I have everything I want? No, none of us do. That's that ingratitude rearing its head again. But God supplies me with everything that I really do need. And I remember that every good and perfect gift comes from him. Fourth, I'm thankful for the relationships that he gives me, the blessings I have, whether it's my family or my friends or my spiritual family, my brothers and sisters here in Christ. I'm thankful that my life is enriched by having so many good people around me, so many relationships, and that there's mutual care and concern between us. We could probably go on and on here, but I want us to note the list David makes here in the 103rd Psalm. We begin in verse number 3. He starts listing these benefits that he won't forget, and he says that the Lord forgives all your iniquity or all of your sins David puts that right up at the top of the list that must have been extremely important to him think about that he doesn't say thank you for making me king he doesn't say thank you for making Israel this regional empire here that I have a great deal of power over other countries no he thanks him for forgiving his sins 
I suggest that that's the most precious gift and blessing that any of us can receive. We should all be thankful for that, that God has provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. We need to put that right at the top of our list. Then he says, God who heals all your diseases. David didn't know anything about modern germ theory or viruses or bacteria or infections. All he knew that was when someone was in trouble, they'd pray to God and God would help. He'd do something. We may not be able to understand why God acts or when he acts or how he acts in all things, but I am convinced that God is still the great physician and that whether our need is physical or psychological or spiritual, he knows what our needs are better than we do. He'll see to it that those needs are met, and we should be thankful for that. Next, David says in verse number four, he redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. God certainly did that for King David, and he's still doing that for us today. Then God, verse number five, satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That imagery there is, is striking, and I think that's particularly important in our society. Almost everyone, it seems, is searching for that fountain of youth. We value youth and we value beauty, but we know we can't do anything to recapture it. We look in the mirror and we see that. I think what David is saying here sounds a lot like what the Apostle Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. This is a good list. And it's easy for us to look at it and say, well, you know, I like those things and I'm, I'm thankful for those things too. Let's just put a, a ditto there and we'll just add that to everything that we're already thankful for and we'll have our list there. It's imperative that we remember not everyone shares in our joy and in our thanksgiving. There are many people in the world who are suffering. There are people in this congregation who are suffering. Today was extremely unusual in that, as Bobby said, he got up here, and you saw it in the bulletin, there's literally no one listed under our sick. That's a great thing. There's something to give thanks for. And yet there are probably some we overlook. And we know that there are those listed in continual need of our prayers. And we have those listed who are our shut-ins who are also constantly in need of our prayers. In fact, if the truth were known, probably every person in here is suffering this morning in one way or another. And if you're not, you will be tomorrow. I think of that sometimes on on Wednesday nights when we take prayer requests at the beginning of class and they seem to go on and on or in the elders meetings the elders meet every Monday and at the beginning of every meeting they pray for every person they can think of by name but there's a lot of them sometimes I think about what Job says that man was born to trouble just as the sparks fly upward feels that way a lot of the time bad things happen to God's people 
But even though bad things happen to God's people, we can still praise God. We can still give thanks to God. Why? Because what distinguishes God's people from people out in the world is that God's people never suffer alone. God is always there to suffer right along with us. I think of those comforting words of the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We're not the only ones struggling. We're not the only ones hurting. There are people out there who have never darkened the doors of a church who are hurting. There are people out there who never lift up their voices to praise God and to thank him who are hurting. The difference for us is that when we hurt, God is there to help us through those difficult moments. Way back in Exodus chapter 2, verse number 24, God's talking about his people, the children of Israel. And it says there that God heard their groanings and he remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob. You and I, we forget names that we were told just five minutes ago. We have friends that we're close to and they move away and eventually we adjust to life without them. And at a certain point, we almost forget that they ever even existed or we certainly forget what it was like when they lived here. But the God of the universe who has charge of millions and billions of people, remembers each and every one of them. He never forgets. He heard the groanings of his people Israel, and he remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham. In the very next chapter of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord tells Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. God hears every cry that comes from the lips of his people. He hears every prayer that comes from the depths of their heart. He knows our suffering. He's concerned. He cares. And one way or another, he'll deliver us. That's a reason to be thankful, isn't it? Mike Tyson was a member of the church in Spicewood where I preached before I moved here. And in June of 2015, Mike was diagnosed out of the blue with very advanced stage four prostate cancer. And it didn't seem fair. Mike was a young man, not quite 50 years old at that time, I believe. His children were relatively young. His oldest, a daughter, was just starting high school. His son was a preteen. He seemed to be the picture of health. He was an extraordinary...
extremely active man. He had a beautiful family. He and his wife were both highly successful. It would be easy in that situation to scream at the injustice of all this. This just isn't fair. I've seen a lot of people in my life, in my family, in the church, face battles with terrible diseases, especially with cancer. I don't think I've ever seen anyone face it with more courage, more grace, more faith and trust in God than Mike. More thankfulness and gratitude for all the ways that he'd been blessed in spite of that terrible diagnosis. You can go one of two ways when something like that happens, and Mike's relationship with God, if anything, it got stronger. His faith deepened. He continued to trust and rely on God. He's had a long battle. He's been to MD Anderson. He's had experimental procedures in the Cayman Islands. But just this past week, he was given a, a terminal prognosis. I want to read to you what he has to say, at least an excerpt from it. The doctors are predicting three to six months of life for me, but I'm going for a lot longer than that. God can do anything, and I'm not going to put him in a box and tell him what he has to do. I'm just going to have to trust him and have faith and hope in his mercy and grace. I'm not afraid to die. I just think of it as another adventure. I understand it's the final adventure, but I'll be ready for it. I want to be an example to my kids of how to live and how to die. Life is too short. We're truly just a mist in this world. Sure, we hope to live to 70 or 80, and that was my plan too. Laura and I had hoped to grow old together, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I hope Laura meets someone she can retire with and travel with and watch Megan and David get married and have grandkids with. I'm ready to be with Jesus because this world is a hard place to live. I appreciate all that I've been able to do on this earth. There was so much I still wanted to do, but that I didn't get to. That's okay, though, because we will eventually have eternity to do the things we didn't get to do while on this present earth. And then he closes with 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some of our greatest moments with God are the times when we hurt the most. When we've cried out from the depths of our soul, when we feel completely empty. And we realize that he was there all along, always faithful, always keeping his promise. Thank God for that.
this morning, if you're here and you're going through life without the help of Jesus, you don't have to do that. Don't do that any longer. God sent his son into the world and the sacrifice is complete. And through him, he offers the opportunity for forgiveness of sin so that you can have that greatest of blessings that we talked about just a few moments ago. Put your trust in him. Turn to God, repent of sin. Confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth and with the action of water baptism. Have your sins washed away so that this Thanksgiving, just like David, you can put at the very top of your list, I thank God that he forgives all of my sins. Maybe you're here this morning and you already are a Christian. But your life has been characterized by ingratitude. You've wandered away. You need to make changes in your life this morning. Whatever your need may be, it's the Lord's invitation while we stand and while we sing.